The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Okay, y'all can sit down. You know, I have known Pastor Josh a long time. I leaned over to Sarah and I said, I don't even think Josh was married when I met him. I mean, he was young and, and I am in my 20s times two. Thank you. He's very kind. Uh, I've been looking forward to being here for a long time. I, I've spoken in a lot of different places and sometimes I get nervous. You don't know what you're walking into, but I've been relaxed. I've been looking forward to come because I know Pastor Josh and Pastor Sarah. And I knew I was coming into a prepared atmosphere, right? They are great pastors. I can say this about Josh. Like when I I went to work, he was actually at Gateway Church before me. And I thought, I hope he remembers me because I don't care how old you are. you, You like to have a buddy or a friend or something. And my first day at work, I walked into a conference room and he goes, hey. And I'm like, hey, he remembers me. So that was like God's gift to me that I was able to connect with Josh. And, and he is just a stellar individual. Amen. He has always been that faithful to the Lord. And, you know, when this church was, was, church was in his heart, I'm like, God's going to do amazing things. And I see he already is. Oh. And so I'm just honored to be here. Truly, and I've looked forward to this day for a long time. And I thought I would tell you a little bit about uh, my family. I have an adopted daughter from China who's now 13. Well, I know. See, everybody goes, oh. You know, I, you know, honestly, I really celebrated that day. I was a youth pastor for 20 years. So I was like, finally, I have a teenager. Now, there are moments when I'm like, I have a teenager like that, but her name is Macy, and it's spelled just like the store, and she is the gift of shopping, <laughs> truly, and my husband is named Dale, and I love it that I'm in the South because you're going to get this. My husband is a bubba. That doesn't translate well when you're in Japan and stuff like that. I'm like, how do you, how do you say that? My husband is a bubba. In fact, someone described him as a high-tech because he's just a genius. He can do anything on a computer. He's very smart. He does all the math in our family. He's a high-tech redneck, <laughs> if that makes sense. He actually owns overalls because he says they're comfortable. And I'm like, they're ugly. So we fight, we fight about whether he gets to wear those. And when, when we got married, you know, what I realized about my Bubba husband really soon was nurturing and, and cherishing me did not come naturally to him. You know, but what did they, all the marriage seminars tell you to do? Communicate. Communicate the expectations, you know, because I would go home and I was like, oh, I had the hardest day at work. And I would just be t- pouring my heart out. And he'd be looking at me. And as soon as I'd finished, he'd go, what's for supper? <laughs> I'm like, okay, I must communicate. I'm like, Dale, this is what I need you to do. If nothing else, this, when I say I've had a hard day at work, stand there, do just what you're doing. You look at me, you go kind of like this, just do this. Come here. Give me a hug. Give me a hug. And then when I back up, then you can say, what's for dinner? Like that. 
Okay, okay. And I, you know, I tried to work on him. I tried to bring that out in him, train him, develop him. And okay, so I am dead asleep one night and I, I wake up and my Bubba husband has his arms around me. He's patting me going, it's okay. You're okay. I love you. And you know, you're trying to calculate. I'm like, oh my goodness, I guess I had a bad dream. And I screamed or something. I woke, I've woken this poor man up and I realized I was, my, my face was wet. I was crying and he's like patting me. And the first thought went through my head was, I have him trained. <laughs> he's finally listened to me. He's giving me nurturing because he was patting me. You're okay. You're okay. And I was like, oh, this is heavenly. He's nurturing me. And, and it was late though. So I'm like, I kind of spooned back into him, my nurturing, loving, sweet husband. And I just went right back to sleep. Well, I wake up the next morning and you want to reinforce this behavior, right? And, and so I wanted to tell him, thanks, Dale. I don't, man, bad dream. You were just, man, you were right there. But he left for work before me. So I get ready and I, I go to work and I go walking in. Do, 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 do. And my assistant goes, why are you so happy today? I said, let me tell you about Dale. And I began to tell her the story. What sound do you think she made, ladies? Oh, just like that. I'm telling you, she goes, oh, how sweet. He's such a good husband. I'm like, I look down at my watch. I'm like, I'm going to be late for a meeting. So I go running to the building next door. I go walk in there like, why are you so happy today? And I'm thinking, am I always in a bad mood or something? (laughs) And so this had a lot of men in it. And I'm like, let me tell you about Dale. And I start telling this story. And of course, all the women in the room went, And all the men were like, oh, Helton, you're making us look bad. But all day long, I still remember this day. It was one of the best days I've ever had because I was just happy all day thinking about how sweet Dale was and how, how he took such good care of me. And I go home, uh, feed, feed the family and homework, and we, we start to go to bed. Now, we're back in the bedroom. And... I have waited to say thank you all day long, you know, and I'm like, I'm just looking at that stud muffin of a man, you know, and I'm just like, my heart is like pitter patter. I'm just like, oh gosh, staring at him. And he kind of catches me looking at him. He goes, last night. And I'm like, what precious husband of mine, practically, you know, he goes, I'm sorry I punched you in the face last night. (laughs) My heart stopped pitter-pattering. And I said, what did you say? He said, I'm sorry I punched you in the face last night. I'm like, you punched me in the face last night? He's like, yeah, I guess I was having a bad dream or something. And I punched you in the face. And then I had to start patting you because you started crying. And I had to get you to shut up. Yeah. Okay. Now, how many of you know I believed a lie? I believed a lie. 
Everything I did that day was based on a lie. I thought my husband had finally learned how to take care of me and instead said husband had punched me in the face and was trying to get me to stop crying. All right. And, huh. and that's, that is a true story, by the way, that is totally true story. And in my house, you have to have permission to tell a story. But when this one happened, I said, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, I'm telling it. I'm telling it. That one's mine because of what you did. But you know what? Everything about that was based on a lie. Everything. And my whole day, everything I did that day was based on a lie. But what if this was the lie I believed? Um, What if I believed that women were not as important as men? Okay, because... In reality, I'm the fifth generation from a Texas cattle ranching family. Fifth generation. Texas cattle ranching family. How does a cattle ranch get passed down generation to generation? See, how do you think the Brown family ranch, my maiden name is Brown, has gotten passed down generation to generation? To the girls, to the boys. The boys. When my brother got married, my sister-in-law, she's like, oh my gosh, I've got to have a boy. And I'm like, I'm praying with you. And thankfully, she popped out a boy first. I'm like, pressure's off. And then then she proceeded to have two girls. But you know, that's, that's, there's nothing, I'm not slamming my parents. That's just cultural. In my family, uh, men took over the ranch. But do you see how growing up, I might feel like I wasn't as important as my brother? Like, we never talked about me taking over the ranch. I got married. I married someone that was equally experienced in ranching, but they never said, oh, Beth, do you want the ranch? It's just assumed it's going to my brother. But see, everything about our history, about our life, the enemy can use. He can twist it, use it, whatever. And in reality, I, I, I hate Satan, but we need to know how he operates. See, John 10, 10 describes him as a thief. And he comes to do nothing else except steal, kill, and destroy. And John 8, 44 says, there's no truth in him. He is a liar and the father of lies. He's a liar and the father of lies. But often he has a partner in crime. He often has a partner in crime. And I'm going to have you point to the enemy's partner in crime in how he attacks us. So go like this. Do not point to your spouse, all right? Do not. Or your, or your teenage children or whatever. Just, just do this. Right here. His partner in crime is often us because he is such a good liar. He would develop a different strategy if lying didn't work. But lying works. He lies to us and And we partner with him to sabotage our own lives. And I'm going to show you just a little sabotage cycle of how this works. Uh, So let's say that something painful happens, a hurtful event, a negative event. Let's, I'll do a hypothetical situation. A five-year-old girl who loves her daddy comes home one night and he brings her into his office and said, sugar, I love you so much, but your mom and I aren't getting along and I'm moving out today. But it has nothing to do with you. I love you so much. But I'm leaving today. And he moves two states away. 
she's five. That is a negative event. How many of you know a five-year-old girl can't psychologically uh, compute what's happening, right? And she is just going to be a hurting little girl. Who wants to interpret this pain to her? The Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit, God, God wants to talk to her, but who else is going to be firing away with everything he's got? The enemy, he's going to come along and say, sugar, men are going to leave you. you men are going to hurt you. You've got to protect yourself from men. And that little five-year-old, all she knows is her world has been destroyed and daddy is gone. But she begins, that makes sense. Men are going to leave me. And it's like he gives her a giant brick and says, put this right in front of your heart. It'll protect you. Men won't hurt you like that anymore. And she goes, okay, I don't want to hurt like this anymore. And so she begins to put these giant bricks to protect herself against men. Now, she's not consciously doing this either. But that little girl, so we've got a negative event. And she begins to believe this lie that men are going to leave her. And she builds that brick, so that's a defense that she builds. So we've got a negative event, we've got a lie that she believes, and then this defense that she builds. Now she grows up, she goes away to Oklahoma State University. I gotta do it, I just had to do it, sorry, sorry. Uh, Sorry, I just, I'm sorry. And I am, I know you Sooner fans are grieving, I am sorry about that, truly, sorry, I'm sorry, sorry. I wasn't even going to, anyway. Okay, so she grows up. She goes away to OSU. She gets involved in a church. And guess what? She meets her knight in shining armor. She's a believer. He's a believer. He's even going to be a pastor. And they begin to get closer. He's thinking, she may be the one for me. But you know what? They have this talk. He says this to her. He's like, I just feel like there's something between us. And she's like, I, I know, but I don't know what it is. And you know what? She doesn't know what it is. She really doesn't know what it is. She's like, I feel it too, but I don't know what it is. And he goes, I, I, w- I want to get close to you, but I feel like there's a part of me that, that you keep, there's a part of you that you keep hidden away from me. And she's like, I know, but I don't know. And so they keep circling the same mountain round and round. And finally he says, I love you. But I can't spend the rest of my life hitting this wall or or whatever it is. And she's like, I don't know what to do. And he says, I love you, but we're just going to have to break up because I I can't do this forever. So she's had this negative event. She's believed a lie. She built all these walls around her heart to protect herself from men. And now what has happened People are not, he's not really reacting to her true self. He's reacting to the walls that she's built. But as he hits that walls, history now repeats itself. Now history repeats itself. And what do you think the enemy's going to come back and tell her again? All men are going to leave you. And that's how we get in these cycles. And it's, it's a sabotage cycle, but it's also called a stronghold. It's a stronghold. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 through 5, it says, The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. See, uh, I can't cast out your strongholds. 
Because a stronghold is not a demon. A stronghold is a wrong pattern of thought that we've been, it's, it's the enemy has fed us a steady stream of lies and we've believed it, but it, and through believing his lies, we develop these strongholds in our lives that the enemy can get a stronghold on us. And, and so we have to learn how it is he attacks, how, how we believe these lies. You know, let's go back and I'll, I'll break down every single one of these just a little bit, but hold up your hand. If you've ever been hurt by anyone, hold up your hand, keep them up. If you've ever been wounded, hurt, now look around the room, we all get to play. Whether we want to or not, we all get to play, we've all been hurt. One word that we might use for our hurts are soul wounds, our soul. See, we're a spirit, a body, and a soul. And it's our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. And that's where we get injured. And the one thing I do not want any of you to hear me do is downplaying anyone's pain. I've been doing this long enough that if I could interview you, there's people in this room that have had horrific things happen to them. Uh, sometimes I am just amazed at how people have overcome painful backgrounds. You know, but I'm not downplaying pain, but it is never our pain that gets us stuck. It's never the bad things that have happened to us. It's not the bad things that have happened to us, our pain. It's how the enemy interprets our pain to us. It's the lies that we believe about that pain. Because when bad things happen to us, he is lying to us three different ways. He's going to lie to us about who we are. He's going to lie to us about who we are. The enemy is going to lie to us about who God is. Okay, so let's say that five-year-old girl whose daddy left goes to children's church and they're singing, you're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. You know, what's he going to be telling her? Your dad left you. You know, some of us didn't have good fathers. So to hear that God's a good father, you're like, oh, you don't have any grid to base that against. He lies to us about who he is. Is God really faithful? See, Pastor Josh had you, had you say, uh, he's never let you down. I'm just curious how many of you were scrolling through memories thinking, well, you did here. You did that time. You know, I even did a few over there. And I'm like, no, no, he doesn't let me down. But, you know, I, I have some traumatic things that have happened to me that it would be easy for me to say, uh, are you really faithful? The enemy wants us to question God, if God is for us all the time. See, God is for you. He is not punishing you. He is for you. You're not sick because he's mad at you. All right? He is for you. He loves you. But the enemy constantly wants to bring that wedge in there. He wants to doubt who you are. You are a son. You are a daughter. You can walk right in. You know, see, my dad has a private office in our, be- in our house. Uh, but you know what I could do anytime I wanted? I could walk right in. Because that was my dad. See, you can walk right into the presence of the Most High God anytime you want because you're a son and a daughter. 
you have the right to go right in. You don't have to stay out in the holy, in the outer court. You can go right into the holy of holies, all right? And the enemy wants us to doubt that. And the third way he lies to us all the time, he lies to us about other people. See, people are not our enemy. You know, are there some mean folks out there? Yes, yes, but they're not our enemy. You know, particularly in the body of Christ. You know, the Baptists are not our enemy. (laughs) Some church of Christ and old school that think they're gonna be the only ones in heaven, they're not our enemy. They're just gonna be surprised when some of us make it in. Hey, hey, we're here. You know, we're, we're the body. We're the body of Christ. But man, the enemy works overtime constantly to lie to us about people and, and to get us to, to build these defenses. See, I'm not a big fan of pain. Are any of you? You know, I had, I had oral surgery on Friday. It's the only day they could do it. I didn't even tell Josh. I thought, why should two of us worry if I'm gonna be good to go? I'm not gonna tell him. I'll be fine. But, you know, they were like, it, with anesthesia, it'll cost $3,000. Without anesthesia, just a local, it's $1,000. I'm a tightwad. <laughs> I'm like, I'll do the one. You know, so I'm not a fan of pain. I just said, just make sure you get it really numb. You know, and he put an implant in. That was wild. Have you had an implant? He's drilling, putting a screw in my jawline. Oh, you're like, ooh, I don't have the gift of mercy. I'm sorry. I'm like, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, it looks like I'm chewing tobacco. I'm not, just a little swollen. Uh, anyway, I'm not a fan of pain. So the reason we build these defenses is because we don't want to feel pain. You know, and the enemy makes us feel like we think like it's the right thing to do. You hurt me once. I'm not going to give you the opportunity to do it again. And so we get a brick and we just wall off our heart. And we do it in all sorts of different situations. So we have these walls. Uh, Have you ever felt like you just kept people at an arm's length? It's because you're keeping people at an arm's length. Uh, Because the, the enemy tells you it's the right thing to do. You're being wise. You're being wise. Here's some defenses that maybe you've developed or maybe I have. I'm just going to read through a bunch of them. Uh, Denial. Denial. It didn't really happen. Anger. If anyone's ever said, whoa, you're really kind of an angry person. See, anger is a secondhand emotion. Uh, Anger always covers pain. Always. Anger's not the root. Pain is the root. There's a reason you're angry. So if you, I mean, I don't know about you, but something can happen at work and man, I'm stressed out, all that. I'll go home and Macy will do something and man, the machine guns comes out and I'm like, and I mean like Dale and Macy are like, good for cover. She's blowing, you know, and, and I'm like, boom, boom, boom. And... And they're looking at me, and then what goes through your mind when you lose it like that sometimes? Because usually our family gets the brunt of it, right? And then you're like, what was that? 
What was that? Well, that was unresolved issues from work that you just cut loose on your family because you feel like they can take it. When I do something like that, or maybe I have this uh, over-the-top reaction to someone driving in Dallas, I'm like, okay, where's that coming from? Where's that coming from? Because it's coming from somewhere. All right, repression. You just shove that stuff down, it'll all go away. Uh, Bill Hybels, he's a pastor of Willow Creek Community Church in Chicago. He's one of my favorite speakers, and he's Dutch, and he's stoic. And this was him. He would shove it all down, and he said, you know what happens when you do that? All those emotions that you're just shoving down, it's like they're on uh, lounge chairs around the pool of your soul. And they're just talking, all that, the turmoil, the anger, the hurt, the pain. You've just shoved them all down. And they're sitting there going, when should we attack? You know, when, when should we get him? Or when should we get her? And then finally they go, okay, now's a good time. Let's go. And then here comes all that stuff. And maybe you're crying or maybe you're, you're doing what I just described. You lose your temper or something. Because those suppressed emotions that pain that you shove down, it has to go somewhere. And usually it goes sideways. Usually it goes to people we love or, or maybe we let it fly to people we don't like, you know, just someone that cuts you off in traffic. But that, those emotions are going somewhere. They're just not going to lay dormant in your soul for years. They're going to they're gonna resurface, right? Blame. This is huge. You know what? I would be fine if it weren't for her. Or I'd be so good if my husband truly appreciated me. Man, life would be so good if my spouse really loved me and met my needs. My, life would be great if my teenage daughter would stop rebelling. If you're pointing at anyone and blaming anyone for your lack of freedom, then you're totally a victim. God doesn't create victims. He doesn't create victims. No one can keep you from getting free. No one. Just you. The only one that can keep you from getting free is you. You know, you can't get free if it's not your problem. You know, if you do marriage counseling and the person comes in, well, my husband, okay, he's not here. And they want to talk about someone who's not in the room constantly. That's, that's a hard counseling appointment. Let's talk about you. Well, I'm not the issue. Okay, we're not going to go very far. <laughs> you can never get free of a problem you won't own. I'm not okay, and it's your fault. That's blame. I'm not okay, and it's because of you. All right, minimization. Uh, it wasn't so bad. Here's a way we, are, we build our defensive. We just stay busy. That's, that's not even a problem here in Oklahoma City, right? We don't, we don't stay busy. All right. I hated it when someone told me this, that sarcasm. Uh, But, you know, there's a difference, I think, between humor and sarcasm. Sarcasm can have a bite to it. There's also things that we run to for comfort. We don't like, we're not fans of pain. So we'll run to Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever the social media is of the day. You know, I just said that to Dale last night. I'm like, I don't know why I'm on Facebook. I just wasted 30 minutes. You know, because you think I'm going to get on here for five, check something out, and then you read some headline like, you'll never believe what happened. And I'm like, what happened? <laughs> click, I click, and then, and then, oh my God. And then you click here, and then I'm like, whoa, 
what, what just happened to 30 minutes? Because you've, you've been on there, right? Or is it just me? All right. But you know what? We disengage from our reality and we go into that fantasy world. And it's so funny, such an oxymoron, social media, nothing social about it. Me and my computer, me and my iPhone, you know, but we run, we can, we can be, uh, we can run to golf. We can run to pornography. We can run to eating. We can run to ministry, ministry. We can hide in ministry because we don't want to slow down long enough to feel our pain. Here's the thing too. Sometimes we honestly don't know why we're doing what we're doing. You know, my pastor, we were a 180 affiliate. I went a hundred miles an hour and my senior pastor said, Hey Beth, sit down. I want to talk to you about something. And he began to, to point out something that I knew was a problem. Uh, because see, when someone had kind of ruffled my feathers a little bit, I could feel that wall come up. Literally, I could feel it. And it's like, it's like I saw her coming. Oh, there's Susie. And this voice inside my head would go, force field up. <laughs> and like that. And I, I would think, be a good Christian, love her. You've got to love Jesus, give her the love of Jesus. But the, meanwhile, the force field up. And, and here she comes. And I'm, I'm like gritting my teeth, like, I'm going to be nice to Susie if it kills me. You know, and so I'm like, hi, Susie. And she's, hi, Beth. Good to see you. Yep. Hey, we should do lunch sometime. Okay. All right. Call me. Yep. All right, bye. And she goes away, and guess what happens? Force field down. You know, but I could feel it. So my pastor brought me in his office one day, and he goes, I've noticed something. And he said, I've noticed when someone kind of tweaks you a little bit, makes you angry, you just kind of wall them off. And I'm like, oh. And I'm like, I do. I mean, I was excited because I could not get it to go down, right? Like, I knew it was a problem. I'm like, good Christians don't do this. Good Christians don't have their force. I was like, you're right. I do. I feel it go up. It's like, and I said, what do I do? And he goes, oh, I don't know. <laughs> nice. He goes, I don't know what to do. Uh, but I just know you do it. And I want you to be aware of it. And I'm like, thanks. Thanks a lot. <laughs> I was very aware of it. I just did not know what to do. And I, I think some people need help. And we make it so hard. And it's not really that hard. You know, here's, here's a good question. That Have you ever, ever thought these words or said them out loud? You know what? This is just the way I am. This is just the way I am. Well... What if you're not? What if you have believed lies from the time you hit this ground, like from three years old? What if you're not that way? If I do anything tonight, I want to get you to question why you do the things you do. Why you react the way you react. Why do you do, why do, you do these things? 
See, because even culturally, we're taught certain things. See, I, I am a natural redhead. I've never put any coloring on my hair, nothing. Every one of those grays are mine, baby. I, mine. I earned all of them. But you know what? It's, I feel bad for you guys that are not redheads because I don't have to control something. Because all redheads have what? Tempers. All redheads have tempers. I've been told I was a hothead my whole life. You know, in reality, I'm not. I'm not a screamer. I'm not a, you know, uh, except when my sports teams are playing. That's the only time. But, you know, we, we even believe these certain stereotypes. Uh, I grew up in the United Methodist Church. And I really got saved in high school. I mean, radically saved. But I remember my mother saying, Beth, we are Methodist. And religion is a private matter. We don't talk about it. And I'm like, really? Well, look in the Bible. And I, you know, I just, I didn't know different, but she's telling me, you know, Methodists were quiet. You know, we should question how we were raised Everything from even birth order, birth order. See, uh, how many firstborns in the house? Hold up your hand. Firstborns. Ooh, you're leaders, responsible. You, you lead the way, all right? How about babies of the family? Ooh, yeah. That's me. Wait, you are cute. You are just cute. You're just such a blessing. We just like looking at you. And uh, all of you middle children that are already mad at me because I skipped over you, middle kids, middle kids. Listen, we see you. We see you. You're not overlooked. You're special. You're special. See, Every, every bit of that plays into stuff. It plays into how you react, how you think about life, what you do. Uh, false responsibility that we pick up. All of that. Or that we don't pick up if we're the baby. Whatever. It all <laughs> plays into it. It all plays into it. And you know what? It starts when we're so young. I told the story on my husband, so I'm going to tell you a story on my daughter. See, we, we moved to Frisco, Texas. We were in a brand new neighborhood. They had a community pool. And when we moved there, there were no, no houses around us. And so Macy's like, I don't have any friends. She was like, just turned seven years old. And I'm like, let's pray that some girls move in. And I mean, family started moving in with, guess what? Little girls. And I was proud of her. She would go over the house, ring their doorbell and say, hi, I'm Macy. Do you want to play? And she would meet the girl. But this is what I noticed over and over again. The families would move in and they would be a year or two older than her. So she's like the young one in the neighborhood. And as more families moved in, she was like, oh, you're in the third grade. Well, then you need to meet her. And so she would take them over there and they would meet. And then guess who kind of got left, left out? the youngest one, and she began to come home and say things like, they told me they don't want to play with me. And, you know, I'm thinking girls, you know, and I'm like, oh, just, just be positive. They'll play with you. Be nice. And she goes, no, yeah, they, they told me they're not going to play with me. And honestly, I didn't listen very well. 
and I was off on Fridays. I had a brand new magazine and I wanted to go to the community pool and just check out from life with my magazine and let her swim with all her friends and me just sit, sit there in the lounge chair uh, and, and just read, you know? So we pull up, we get in there and no one is at the community pool. And I'm like, no. And Macy's like, yay, mommy, you get to play with me. You, we can play together. And I'm like, yay, 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 yay. Let me, let me take off my flip-flop and I'm kind of stalling one at a time. And she's so excited. Well, I see a van from our street pull in and I'm like, there's your friends. There's so much more fun than mommy. You're, she's like, no, no, no. I really want to play with you. And I'm like, no, Macy, your friends are so much more fun. Mommy's no fun. And I'm already getting out the magazine and plopping down in the lounge chair. And she's standing at the end of my lounge chair going, I, I really like you. And I'm like, I'm old. They're fun. They got energy. And I'm like flipping my magazine. And I, I kind of see them coming, this group of girls coming from the corner and Macy, I see her kind of stand up straight and she goes, hi guys, can I play with y'all? And I'm thinking, oh girl, way to put yourself out there. And then I look over at the gang of girls and from the back of the gang, ooh, and I'm not changing names to protect anybody, but uh, (laughs) here comes Alexis. (laughs) She comes up to the front And she goes, Macy, how many times do we have to tell you, none of us are going to play with you? Ooh, I'm sitting over here and I'm thinking, oh, Alexis, (laughs) prepare to die. And so I'm, I'm figuring out how to kill her without getting blood on the pool deck right there. And then I look up. And there's her mother. And I thought, woo, this will be better, way fun. I'm going to get to watch her mother kill her. And so I look at her mom like, do something. And she looks at me and goes, kids. I thought, oh, my goodness. My day off is going to be so busy. I'm going to kill Alexis, and then I'm going to kill Alexis's mama. I'm going to kill two people. And and I'm like, well, which one am I going to get first? Trying to figure it out. And I I turn around and I see my daughter standing at the end of my lounge chair. And her lower lip is trembling. Her eyes are filled with tears. And she's dying a thousand deaths right there. And I I just sprung into action. I'm like, Macy, my magazine's so boring. Will you play with me? And she couldn't talk because she's so upset. She just goes, and she turned. And when she did, tears just started coming out and I said come on girlfriend and I'm telling you God will give you supernatural strength in those in those moments like that because I got her in the pool there is no way I'm physically strong enough for what I did that day I picked that child up and I am launching her 10 feet in the air and she's like flying through there and very quickly we are the noise and fun center of that whole pool right? We're having a great time. She has forgotten Alexis, all that. And she's having a blast. Oh, mommy, you're so fun. I'm like, I think this is God, you know, because (laughs) he was helping me. And uh, Alexis came swimming up and she's like, hey, can I play? 
And I'm like, oh, sure. Let's play Kiss the Bottom of the Pool, Alexa. You want to go again? Yeah? Yeah? Okay. <clears throat> my daughter is a better Christian than me. Uh, my daughter says, sure, you can, sure, we can play. And they kind of started playing and, you know, I, I still need to get rid of my bitterness on this, but hey, uh, anyway, I kind of backed out of it, but I'm telling you that right there is what starts it. I I've been doing freedom ministry about seven years now. And when people come to meet with me in my office and we actually start seeking God together, when we say, let's ask God what he wants to talk to you about, and they really start allowing the Holy Spirit to bring up formative things, lies they believed, 95% of the time there's things there from childhood, all right? So in my daughter's case, Because see, our soul is where we do inner vows and judgments, right? Our soul is the fertile ground where we plant those things. So uh, a judgment that day that Macy could have made was, girls are mean. That's the judgment. And the inner vow is, I'll never be friends with girls again. And what we could have had as a result of that was the making of a little tomboy, all right, she's going she's gonna to be the girl that says, I just don't relate to girls very well. I just hang out with the guys. That, that could have happened. Inner vows and judgments, uh, we make them against people. I'll never let another, uh, like, we, we make them against our parents. When I'm a parent, I will never parent like, and we say it about our mom and dad. You know, that, that's a judgment and an inner vow. And what you do when you make that out of your mouth, basically you've taken a good old Texas lasso, roped them, tied them to your waist and their waist, and they're with you from then on. You know, and you may find yourself channeling your mom or dad. You know, I, I mean, because we've said, I'll never do that. I will never do that. Those are inner vows and judgments. We make them against people. We even make them against God. Okay, let's say you, you thought you heard God and you just stepped out in faith and you went for it. And you know what? When you stepped out in faith, you fell and you wiped out. So the judgment could be, God's really not faithful to me. And the inner vow is, I'm not gonna step out in faith like that ever again. I'm not gonna put it all on the line like that again. That's how, that's how that works, inner vows and judgments. And those are part of the defenses that we build. You know, women are emotional. That's a judgment. So the, the inner vow might be, I'm not going to share anything with a moody, emotional woman. Or I'm not going to give a woman, a, you know. I'm telling you, they're all unique to our different experiences, but the enemy comes along and uses anything in our past to, to hook us, to get us to, to take the bait, to build walls, to keep people out. If you ever feel like you're stiff-arming people, see, I decided when I went through, let me just say it this way. I was an executive pastor. I'd have been in ministry for years. And, and I'll just say it this way, because some people think, oh, you're really messed up. You need freedom ministries. No. 
this is who needs Freedom Ministries. If it doesn't apply to you, you don't have to listen to me for the rest of the night. You may have already checked out anyway. But uh, this is who needs Freedom Ministries. If you are living and breathing, you need Freedom Ministries. All right? So if you're alive... You need freedom ministries. Doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. Doesn't matter any of that. Because if you haven't said, I need to look at my life. Holy Spirit, I give you permission to show me anything. Because he wants to show you stuff. He wants to set you free. You know what? Your freedom matters more to him than it does to you. He really does want to partner with you to bring freedom to your life. I was an executive pastor and I made my way to Gateway Church to help all of those people in my church. I made, made my way there because they were really messed up. You know, two out of three people are really messed up. Look at the people on your right and left. Yeah, it's not them. So I, I went to find something that would help all those people. And in going to find that, I realized I needed freedom more than anybody. I'd never been drunk. I've never smoked a cigarette. My husband's the only person I've ever slept with. I've got a list of nevers. All American girl. And I needed freedom more than anyone. I needed freedom more than anyone because I had wrong thinking. I had believed the lies of the enemy. I was a very good soldier for God. I worked very hard for God. And through Freedom Ministries, I discovered, you know what? He really didn't want a soldier. He wanted a daughter. He wanted a daughter. That's a lie, I believed. But I had to get quiet and still and ask him to talk to me. We make it weird. It's not weird. He just had to talk to me, and he showed me. Now, I was actually with someone, and and they said these words to me. Beth, you're a good soldier. You know what my heart did when they said that? I sure am. And I mean, I remember getting teary-eyed because it was a compliment. You know, I'd run this huge youth ministry that grew from like 65 kids to like 700 every week. They came every week. They kept coming back. You know, that's a lot of work. And, you know, they're like, uh, you're a good soldier. Mm-hmm. Yes, I am. And then later on, they were praying and they said, ask God if he would rather have a soldier or a daughter. Made me mad. I looked right at the person and I'm like, I know this. I knew it. I've preached that sermon. You know, he's like, I'm not asking you to talk to me. I'm asking you to ask God. Would you rather have a soldier or a daughter? I'm like, kind of rolled my eyes and I bowed my head. And I'm like, God, would you rather have a soldier or a daughter? And I'm thinking, I know the answer to this. But God was really sweet. He said, Beth, you're a great soldier. You're a great soldier. I'm so proud of you. And you know how to be a daughter. But I would much rather have a daughter all the time than a soldier. And that belief went from here in my head to in my heart. And I finally threw the lie out that I had to work really hard for God. And I resigned from the Lord's army. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I may never, whatever, however it goes. Uh, I I resigned. Uh, I want some of you to resign 
See, the reality is, I was with my daughter that day at the pool. And I was able to turn a very hurtful situation for her around. And I kind of knew what to do. But most of us didn't have a mom who was a freedom pastor. I didn't. And so for me, it meant getting alone with God and saying, will you talk to me about some of the lies that I believed? And he began to do that. And if, in case you're theologically like, well, I've been set free. I got set free on the cross. Yes, you did. You did get set free on the cross. I just want to give you a scripture of why we do this. It's in the book of John, chapter 11. And it's when Jesus was at the tomb of Lazarus. Right? And Lazarus had been dead how many days? Four days. They're like, Jesus, he's going to smell by now. But, but Jesus calls anyway. This is uh, verse 43. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. So was Lazarus dead? This is the answer. Yes. But when Jesus called him out, was he completely alive? Yes. But was he free? No. All right. When you got saved, you got completely saved. You are saved. You don't have to get more saved. Your spirit is completely saved. Your spirit. Your spirit is seated with heaven, seated with him in heavenly places. Your spirit is completely saved. But we are a three-part spirit, soul, and body. Your soul is being saved because it's your mind, will, and emotions. I mean, I wish my mind and everything with it got completely transported and I had heavenly thinking and I thought like Christ, but it doesn't happen that way. So your spirit isn't completely sanctified. Your soul is being sanctified and our bodies will be completely sanctified one day. So it is a process. So this is, it says, the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes. He was dead, now he's alive. You were dead, if you asked Jesus in your heart, you're alive, you're saved. But you may have some grave clothes on you. It's just some knots that need to be untied. All, that's all that he says. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his fa- face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Uh, the, the promised land, the Israelites, when they went into the promised land, it was promised to them, right? A land flowing with milk and honey. But what did they still have to do? They fought. This is your promised land. Fight for it. Fight for your freedom. You have to fight for it. And the way you fight for it is just saying, I'm in. I'm in. See, we're so busy hiding our stuff. How are you doing today, brother? Oh, I'm blessed. I'm I'm blessed going in, I'm blessed going out, I'm blessed everywhere, I'm blessed, blessed, blessed. And in reality, you fought with your wife all the way to church. You know, but once you got out of the car, you're like, now you all know how to act, we're at church. (laughs) And we all put on our smiley faces and we're like, hey, how are you? I'm blessed, I'm blessed. And and then we get in the car and we fight all the way home and mom may say, we're listening to Christian music at Sunday, you know, or whatever. (laughs) We, We have these masks you know, I, I, I love, love, love your sermon series. 
I got issues, right? I laughed so hard when I saw that on social media. I'm like, yes, uh, I've got issues and you do too. See, if we would just say, I've got issues, I'm in the process. And if we would trust one another enough, you know, if we would trust each other enough and get in life groups and get in community where we can say, hey, you know what, Sarah, uh, I kind of see that you kind of react. Uh, is something maybe there? But you know what? I've got a relationship with Sarah. And she's like, you know what? I think so. I'm like, you want to pray about it? Yes. And so we together ask the Holy Spirit to come in and talk. That's how freedom happens. That's how freedom happens. It's not weird. I'm not going to line you all up and cast every demon out of you. You know, it, it's just listening to God and let, letting the power of God bring his truth in. And you throw away the lie that you believed and you get a little bit more free. We make it so weird and complicated and it's not. It's not. And I would love to say, I'm there now. I, I made it about a year ago. <laughs> You know, I, I get on Freedom Mountaintops occasionally, and I'm like, this is awesome. And God's like, you enjoy that? Got, the, got a good view? This is sweet, God. Thank you. I love freedom. This is so good. He goes, you enjoying that? Yes. He goes, okay, good. I want to take you to a deeper place. And I go tumbling down my mountain, and he says, okay, here's a new one. And it may be a situation I ever, ever had to navigate or something, but uh, how it doesn't work, you don't sit down and go, okay, what happened to me when I was two? All right, let's talk my two years old. And you don't dig up everything. You don't dig up everything in your past and all that. You just say, okay, I'm willing to look. What do you want to show me? And some of us may know, oh, I've got mom issues. Hey, Sarah, you want to pray with me about my mom issues? And we're going we're gonna to do that or you get your small group to do it, or whatever. Some of us know some of our areas that we struggle with, but some of us don't. You know, for me, I had that little grid that a negative event, we believe a lie, we build a defense, and then others react. So I just sat down with that, and I'm like, okay, Holy Spirit, show me any event that you want to talk to me about. And you know what? It, It wasn't every day. You know, it might be... Okay, nothing? Well, good. I'm just going to read the Word. And I'd, I'd read, read the Bible. But occasionally, like, I, might, I was working out on an elliptical trainer one day, and God went, we're going to talk. And I'm like, whoa. He brought something up from when I was 16 years old. But it was a deep lie that I believed. But it was like, wow. I, I got off the elliptical treadmill, and I'm like, okay, talk to me. And it was really a profound moment. But that's how it works. You don't have to say, I'm going to get free if it kills me. (laughs) Kind of missing the point. (laughs) You kind of want to enjoy the journey. All right? You want to enjoy the journey. And will there be painful times? Yes. Particularly, maybe you've got dad issues, mom issues, whatever. Uh, Get with trusted friends. I am not also, I'm not against counselors either. So don't hear that. I'm not against counselors. I I really believe in Christian counselors that know how to pray. Uh, I don't I don't want to know what Freud thinks, but but a Christian counselor that knows how to pray with you to connect you with the voice of God that's different. And they're safe and they can't tell anyone. So if you've got something so deep that you don't want anybody to know, go to a Christian counselor and pray it through. 
But here, here's the most important thing. Get free. Get free. We all need freedom. We all need freedom. Now, what I'd like to do is just walk you through a corporate freedom exercise, if you'll let me. And, but you have a part in that. See, your part is to say, Holy Spirit, I'm willing to look in my soul to places that maybe I've really shoved down, memories that maybe I've forgotten, but I'm willing to uh, open up the door of that cellar that I shoved all those painful things in. I'm willing to open that up, Holy Spirit, and I'm willing to go to some dark places if you want me to, and I'm, I'm giving you permission to bring up a negative memory where I might have gotten hurt. And so that's your part. You have to say, I'm, I want freedom. I'm willing to look. That's your part. I'll give you a while to do that. And then we're just going to stay in possibly that memory or whatever event that he brings up. And we're going to ask God to talk to you. Now, I use the negative memory, but I want to give a disclaimer because the very first time I ever heard this little sabotage cycle taught, uh, the person was kind of setting it up like I'm doing. And I hadn't anymore bowed my head that the Holy Spirit says, you don't believe that I'll use you to heal, to see other people experience healing. It was so fast and so quick. I laughed, (laughs) which... I think a lot of things are funny. So like, I was the only one laughing and no, no, okay, get behind me, Satan. It's not funny. I'm supposed to look at a painful memory, all that. And, and so I tried to focus and get serious and I bowed my head again. And, and the Holy Spirit said, you don't believe that I want to use you to bring healing to others. And I'm like, okay, I guess we're going here. And so I said, okay, where did that come from? And he just brought, when I first became a youth pastor, I moved to Canadian, Texas, and I came from a kind of, believe it or not, Southern Baptist charismatic church. And I went to work in the Methodist church. My first day at work, my senior pastor calls me in his office and goes, do you believe in divine healing? And I'm thinking, can they fire me? (laughs) And finally I said, yes. He goes, good, because I don't feel good. Would you pray for God to heal me? no pressure. You know, I'm like, I'm 23 years old. I walk around to his, where he's seated behind his desk. And I remember my hands shaking so bad. You know, and I'm like, uh, God, I thank you that you want to heal Lewis. So, uh, uh, heal him. Amen. Amen. It wasn't eloquent, nothing. Uh, and he went in his pickup and he left. Well, the next day I'm, I'm thinking, so I go walking in there and I'm like, well, and he said, I went home and threw up and I never throw up just once. I throw up all day. So I'm like, well, did you throw up once or all, all night? And he said, just once. And I'm like, it's a win. It's a win. You know? Uh, and I said, maybe you ate something poisonous and, and God had to purge you of that and you're good. And he's like, oh, well, I went back to my office thinking winning, winning. And I go to church on Sunday. I'm brand new at this church, sitting with the youth group. And he's teaching a sermon series on spiritual gifts and finding your place in the body. And he's teaching on healing. And he gets to the final point and he said, this week, I asked our new youth pastor if she believed in healing. She said she did. And I'm like, yes, I do. And I think he's going to say winning. And, but he said, I called her into my office, had her pray for me. And I went home and got sick. 
And, and then he said, so if you're, feeling, if you're feeling bad, don't have Beth pray for you. You'll get sick. And everybody turns around and looks at me, and I'm like, ha, 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 and, and everybody's, ha, 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 and he meant it as a joke. Like, people are laughing, and I'm like, ha, 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 you know, and, but people will walk past me like, don't touch me. I don't want to get sick. Don't pray for me. I don't want to get sick. And he moved from Canadian Texas to Abilene, and, and I moved with him, and pastors recycle sermons. So that same sermon came up again. So we're in our new church and hey, if you don't feel well, don't have Pastor Beth pray for you or you'll get sick. Now, how many of you know that I knew that? And I'd even self-taught. God wants to use me to, to see people healed and I would want to lay my hands on people and I'd believe for their healing. And so I'm arguing with the Holy Spirit and he's like, what happened last week? And I was like, oh. The week after that, I walked in, our accountant was right there, and I'm like, Carol, are you okay? And she goes, no, I've got a migraine. I'm like, well, you know what? God can heal that. Uh, Abby, come in here. We need to pray for Carol. She's got a migraine. I didn't touch her, and I didn't pray. I had Abby come in and do it. And he goes, see, deep in your heart, you don't believe that I can, that I can use you to bring healing to other people. Now, if you knew somebody had a destiny to maybe be a freedom pastor, maybe that's a good lie to get her to believe. That God can never use me to bring healing to other people. So that's the lie I broke the very first time I was in Freedom Ministries. So I'm I'm trying to set you up that it's not, even though I'm going to say, let's think of a painful memory, he may want to go offline. (laughs) He may have something else he wants to tell you and go there. He's just trying to expose lies that we believed, all right? So that's how it works. So anybody want to get a little bit of freedom? Okay, so what I need you to do is just close your eyes, and this is just between you and God, not you and your spouse. Just close your eyes, and your part is that you just simply tell God you want to be free, and you give the Holy Spirit permission to maybe bring up an event, um, maybe a time when you were really rejected, Holy Spirit, I give you permission to bring up a time when I was really hurt. Maybe it's something in my childhood. Maybe it's something that happened at work last week. Will you give me a memory or an event that you want to talk to me about? just keep your eyes closed but if if you need just a second more to let him bring something up lift up your hand okay we're just going to pause just a second more Holy Spirit if there's an event or a memory you want to talk to me about would you help me recall that right now I found it it helps me to just keep my eyes closed. So if you'll just keep your eyes closed, I'll give you some questions to ask. So but 
But God, when this happened, were there any lies that I believed? Did I believe any lies about myself, about you, God, or about other people? He brings lies up. Just break your agreement with those lies. I, that is a lie. I no longer agree with that. I renounce this lie. Father, I'm sorry I believed a lie. Holy Spirit, will you speak truth? What's the truth about me? What's the truth about who God is? What's the truth about other people? What, what truth do you want me to hear? As he speaks truth to you, your part is to agree with him. Agree with what he's saying about you, the truth that he's speaking. Uh, agree with it. Confess it back to him. God, you say that you love me. I agree with that. I believe that. That would be the lie, but we're going to stay in the same memory. And we're going to look at maybe a defense that we built. God, God, when that event happened, when this situation happened, how did I protect myself? How did I protect myself? Or what did I run to, to com- for comfort? As he shows you things, just renounce that. Break your agreement. God, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I built that wall. I ran to that for comfort. I confess that. I will no longer do that. I repent of that. 
Invite the Lord to be your defender, your protector. God, could you even give us a picture of what it would look like for you to protect us? For you to comfort us. Can you show me a picture of what it would look like for you to protect me? God, just from this point forward, help me to see this event from your perspective. Help us to break these walls down. Pursuing your freedom is a journey. And journeys start with one step. And then you just keep walking. And I hope God has stirred your heart. I pray that you have some expectancy of what God wants to do in your heart. But I'm telling you, at the same time, you have to be steadfast. Because the enemy doesn't want you to pursue your own freedom. He doesn't want you to get free. So you kind of have to put a stake in the ground and say, I'm not going back. I'm going to keep moving forward as the Holy Spirit shows me things. I'm going to deal with them. I'm going to deal with my issues. You say, I'm going forward. I am not going back. But if that's stirring in your heart and you're like saying, God, I'm in. I'm in. I want to pursue my freedom. I, I'm, I'm going to go forward. I'm not going back. Maybe I've got some really painful things, and I know that. It might be messy. That's okay. I want to be free. But if that's stern in your heart, I just want to pray over you. And so you can just stand up right where you are. Uh, and I just want to pray over you. If you're saying, I want to pursue my own freedom, I, I'm, I'm going forward. I'm not going back. God's been speaking to me about this. And so just receive, you know. So God, I thank you for every man and woman standing. God, I thank you that it's through Jesus' death on the cross that he purchased our freedom. And we can be free. I, I pray against any doubt that the enemy would keep us, would say, well, everybody can be free but you. God, I thank you that we can be free So I pray that we would just commit now to looking at the areas that you bring up. I pray that you would put us with the right people. I pray you'd put us with counselors. God, we make the commitment that we're through hiding. Uh, See, pornography is never the issue. Anger is never the issue. It's it's the pain. It's unresolved pain that we haven't dealt with. So God, I'm not going to hide. No matter what the issue is, I'm going to get some help. I'm going to find a trusted friend, a counselor. So God, we're just saying we're all in. We're in. And we want to partner with you uh, to see the grave clothes come off. So right now, I bless every man and woman that's standing. Holy Spirit, give them a steadfast spirit. Let them not look back. Let them move forward. 
and just show them one memory at a time or one event at a time and then speak truth. Reframe events from your perspective, God. Let us not be stuck in the past anymore. Redeem the past, no matter how bad it was. And, and I pray that we would have testimonies that could help other people of what you did, God. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.